a miracle at UGP. Are you ready for a miracle with UGP? Oh, radio is here to you. We're going to learn something new. Are you ready for a miracle at UGP?
Well, now my whole screen's locked up. I don't have anything. Oh, great. And my chat room is flashing, so it's not even working anymore. So now my studio is off. There, now my studio is back. Let's see if we can get chat to relaunch. The whole thing was just going like this, the page. Flash, 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 flash. You hear me now? Can you hear me? Mary. Boy. Well, I guess I have audio. I don't know. If I don't, screw it. That's all I can do. All right. Well, great. Now that I'm angry as hell, again, at the beginning of a yet another show because of the technology problems blog talk has and tries to pass off on everybody else <sighs> it's, it's been a bad week let me tell you bad couple of weeks losing my jeep has not made me happy losing my wallet on veterans day someone stealing my wallet on veterans day really really pisses me off that uh and i haven't quite recovered from that I've been out trying to get things, just recovering your wallet. You know, you think everything's on your phone? Well, not so much. Everybody wants two forms of ID, but if all your ID is in your wallet, then what do you do? How do you get anything? Because no one's willing to give you any ID until you have two forms of ID. So it took me forever to get a Costco card reissued, driver's license. I actually was in the DMV from 959 until uh, 1443 and they don't tell you this while you're sitting for four hours waiting to be seen. It just happened that I had printed up an insurance card for my motorcycle. So I had a form of ID that way. And they managed to allow me to get a new paper license. And then Sam's Club, at least, they gave it to me because I knew all my data and they saw my picture in their system. And quite honestly, there's not a whole lot of people that look just like me. BZ could probably go into Sam or into Costco rather and get a Costco membership based on me. <laughs> uh, motorcycle broke down Saturday. Would not start. Battery was fully charged. Couldn't figure it out. Finally, it starts. I get it. The boss at work says, take a vacation day. We've got you covered. Go get it fixed. So I go to get it fixed. Four hours later, the motorcycle people call and tell me that it's my battery after all. It just uh, wouldn't go over 212 cold cranking amps, and you need 400-something cold cranking amps to start a Harley. So $218 later, I get a battery. 
put into my motorcycle. Probably the only maintenance I could do on my motorcycle without needing a Harley-Davidson train tech to do it. And I could have gone and got me a $60 battery up at AutoZone and done it if I'd have known that's what it was. But the battery charger said the battery was full and it was working. Anyway, it's been things just like that. Got to buy uh, tires for the car I'm driving now. I got a uh, car. Megan has loaned me her car. Someone who steals your wallet on vet should be shot on the spot. And, yeah, well, should be. Uh, so not only that, but then I've got to deal with uh, the apartment that I moved my girlfriend into who has royally screwed us over. I, I was going to tell you the story, but now I'm so pissed off about this not starting. I really don't want to get in there because that may work me up, and and I really don't want to get into it. But uh, they they have threatened to evict us for fraud. And the short story is they're saying we never told them about the girls, my you know the three little daughters of uh, my girlfriend, and they're lying about it. Since those girls were at every step of the stage, every piece of paperwork we signed with them, the girls are right there. And we told them this is what we're doing. Hey, uh, social media church, welcome to the club. I'm the underground professor. At, uh, so let me just say I don't feel like talking about it now. Maybe Tuesday. But um, I do uh, I do ask for your prayers that things can calm down. I see God's hand in all this. So I hope his will has worked, and I hope it's not at completely my expenses. It seems to be an awful lot. But, but uh, it's just really frustrating. So I'm getting rid of the Sunday shows because Sundays seem just to be, they, they engulf me. I've got too much to do. It's the only day of the week that I can do anything, and and it's uh, overwhelming me. So what I'm going to do, if I can, is to do Tuesday-Thursday shows, 7 to 8, and then I'll do the Thursday show with Ken from 8 to 10. So that'll still be four hours of radio a week I'll be doing. And, uh, and we'll go back to our old Tuesday-Thursday, kind of like college, Tuesday-Thursday classes, right? which will dovetail into the fact that pretty soon we're going to be start doing actual classes on the radio like we used to do. And we're going to get into more and more things uh, like that. We're going to ease into it. There is so much going on in the news. I mean, my God, the crazies are just everywhere, aren't they? It, it blows my mind. The crazies are everywhere. And I don't know really how to uh, to willow it down and what to talk to you about on this. Let me see. I've got to find something here. Uh, where did I stick it? There we go. Safari. And then uh, let me see here. Let me move that where I can see it and then go to bookmarks. And no, I don't need to go to bookmarks. What I need is, there we go. There are so many crazies out there right now. And I'm sure you're familiar with the fact that there's a lot of people making death threats against the president. Now, 
I don't know about you, but when you are at work, do your friends say these things? Are they in jest? Uh, does Megan know about my bad luck? I don't know. Uh, but she comes with her own series, too. Uh, we've been calling our bad luck adventures to try and keep a happy spin on it. But the two of us seem to be uh, both snake bit here with, with luck, getting bad luck. You know, if you didn't have bad luck, you'd not have any luck at all. That uh, I'm, I think I'd be okay with that. Just giving up completely on luck, <laughs> it'd be nice. This is so frustrating, people. I can't tell you that uh, it's hard sometimes for me to keep the right perspective. I try to surround myself with positive people. I try to keep myself positive, but. Sometimes it just happens so much, right one after the other. You don't ever have time to calm down or to or to recover. You know, readjust, align your chakras and all that crap before the next one hits you. And it just sometimes gets overwhelming. I don't know uh, what life would be like without it, would I? Would you? We all have our problems. Everybody has problems. No one's lives are good. We live in a fallen world, and the frustrating thing about it is, is that I forget that I live in a fallen world, and I expect things to work and to be perfect. And that's one of my failings. And my frustration isn't God's work; it's my work because I'm frustrated that I don't get a perfect life and I don't get things that I want. That. Yeah. Or half the time I get the things I do ask for and I regret it because I shouldn't have asked for it (laughs) uh, because they come with unintended results. But anyway, looks like uh, Alec Baldwin's got a job for four to eight years, huh, with Saturday Night Live. Have you ever heard so many death threats over a, not not even a president, just simply over a nominee, not nominee, what do we call them? Elect. A president-elect. Which isn't really true, is it? Is Donald Trump the president-elect? I'll give you a couple seconds to think about it before I tell you the answer is no. He is not the president-elect, is he? How can he be? He hasn't been elected president. Who elects the president? Well, it's not us. When we all went out on that Tuesday to vote in November, we weren't voting for president. Well, we voted for a whole lot of other things. But were we voting for president? No. We were voting for the delegates of the electorate, the electric, electric college, the electoral college. They have not done their job yet. I think it's December the 18th they meet because elections were set up. In this country, at a time where people, the fastest you moved was on a horse. And so we all came together and we chose our delegates for the college in November. It gave them roughly five, six weeks to get to their state capitals, those delegates. They get told that, you know, we, we elect, the election results are done, they delegates get notified, you're a delegate, and you need to go to your state capital and vote. And so then they would pack up and they would go on the arduous trip to their state capitol. And they had those many weeks to do it. So on December 18th, they would vote for 
president. Trump is the heir apparent, but he is not the president-elect. And you hear that in all the media, all the media, even my guys on my side saying he's president-elect Trump. Well, no, sir, he hasn't been elected president yet. The Electoral College meets, the delegates vote, and then if Trump wins, and I say if Trump wins, and it's likely, it's very unlikely that something's going to go wrong, but if Trump wins on December the 18th, he becomes president-elect Trump. This isn't just a semantic, and I know there will be a lot of people that say, oh, come on, professor, but it's not a semantic. And to say that he is the president-elect now is to, dis- to, is to display uncomfortability with our system, maybe ignorance of our system, because our system is our system, and it's been in play for you know 200-something years, and, and it is what it is. It worked like it was supposed to. The Electoral College worked like it was supposed to. And by the way, after December the 18th, the reason that we don't swear in the president and stuff until in January is to give the president time to be notified he won and for him to pack up his carriage and haul across the country to to the state capital or to the nation's capital, which is now in Washington, D.C., it was in Pennsylvania, then New York, now Washington. It's not a subtlety. Well, maybe it is a subtlety, but it's not a semantic. And so when you're talking on Thanksgiving about this with your fellow uh, family members and friends, say this. Be the smart one in the party. Let everybody know what you're talking about. Whoop, I just pushed the wrong thing here. Welcome. Everybody just came in on Periscope. Um, And then explain it. The Electoral College was designed to separate powers. The entire Constitution is one of limited powers to those in power, in government, and it has separation. I think of the Constitution as a brazier, a bra. The Constitution's job is to lift and separate the powers. And I use the bra as an example in my college classes because everybody in college is focused on boobs. And so they get it. Boobs have power. Boobs are magical. They have power, especially over men. And we call them boobs because that's what they make men turn into, a bunch of idiots. They've got the power. The Constitution lifts and separates them, separates the powers, protects you. (laughs) Well, what is the Electoral College protecting us from? Whose powers are the Electoral College separating and pushing back? Ours, because we don't vote directly for the president. So it's obvious. It's our powers. It's the sovereigns of the country We have checks and balances on our power as well. And one of them, and I mean only one of them, but probably one of the biggest ones, is that we, when this country was set up under the Constitution of 1789, it was designed that we elect our representatives directly 
and our state legislatures directly. And that's it. We're done. Directly electing people. The directly elected state legislatures then elect the senators and send them to the Senate at the national government. And we elect delegates for the Electoral College through our legislature's recommendations and our parties, and then send them to go vote for president. And that's a separation of power. It's a limited form of power. It limits our power as sovereigns, and it separates the powers very nicely and neatly. It also protects the little states from the big states. And this was a compromise during the convention of uh, the Constitution, during the debates on it. It was a compromise by some very smart people to protect the little states from being tyrannized by the big states, and it also protects, believe it or not, the big states from the little states. Here's something very interesting. I've said this before. The popular vote, whatever you think it is, and it keeps changing every day. I don't even know if they've called Minnesota yet or Michigan, whichever one that was still in play. I don't know what the final popular vote is. And quite honestly, I don't care because the popular vote does not matter. And I would say this whether Trump won or lost. The popular vote does not matter. What counts in our system is the electoral delegate count in the college. And the college is comprised of the 50 states of America. The the professor just had a brain lockdown. <laughs> I just completely forgot what I was saying. The, the Electoral College is designed to protect us from small states. Now think of this. If we were to base the election on the popular vote, then California, Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania – and New York City, those five states would tell us who's president. And that's it. All the other states combined, even if they all went for a different president, wouldn't matter if the popular vote was what counted. And under the way it looks right now, if we were under a popular vote, then California and New York and Pennsylvania and Florida would probably be picking the president because they're all mostly blue or purple, and Texas is the only red one in that group as of you know current politics. Uh, although some of the things changed this election cycle, didn't they? You know, Florida went for uh, Trump, so now it is in the blue category or the red category. But is it really? I don't know. We'll have to see. Would Ted Cruz have carried Florida? Maybe, because he's Cuban. But uh, but we don't know that either. So if, if that doesn't scare you, let me give you another thing to ponder. 34%, I think, is the number of the Democrats in Congress, 34% of the Democrats in Congress come from California, New York, Pennsylvania, and one other. Can't remember what the other one is. Four states send one-third 
of all the Democrats in Congress. <laughs> is that really what we want as a political system in this country, to have four states determining who's going to comprise of Congress and who is going to comprise of the executive branch? I'd say no. That would scare me. I wouldn't want that. And so I tell you that because of that, the Electoral College worked as advertised. It protected us. It gave the small states relevancy. It prevented the big states from telling all the small states who the president was going to be. And that's a beautiful thing. Mary says you can get death threats just from an innocent remark. It's just incredible that the people and the things that are said and done right now. I, I have been in the post office 22 years. And outside of a few arguments with management, I have never, ever had a problem with another letter carrier. Ever had a problem with another letter carrier. Now, the other day, I was sitting in line to get on the time clock. And my buddies, who I affectionately call communist bastards, they're Democrats. You know, They pick on me all the time for my political beliefs, and, and I dish it back. We have fun. If electors don't do their duty to the results, uh, I can't see it all ag. I don't have Twitter up and my iPhone's in some kind of download thing. It's putting a new iOS on or something, so I can't get into Twitter. The We were talking about the Electoral College versus the popular vote amongst ourselves and another carrier who considers himself the smartest man in the world, let alone in the post office, let alone in that room, uh, decided to butt into our conversation and started screaming and yelling at me that I don't have my facts, I never do my research, and I'm stupid, and I shouldn't be spreading BS, and he starts cussing and wailing and yelling at me. Now, we've had a lot of conversations. Usually, we can have friendly ones when we talk physics or astronomy, but but when he gets into politics, I just politely you know, try not to talk too much with him about it. But I'm the kind of guy that I can talk to anybody with politics, and I can be respectful and listen to your idiotic ideas, and you listen to my idiotic ideas, and then we can walk away. I don't have to convince you that I'm right. I don't feel compelled to force my opinion on you and that you have to agree, and not only agree, but become an advocate over my opinion but there's people like that aren't there you you met them they're not good enough just to have a conversation and learn your position so that they can base it against theirs and think is mine still superior does it withstand scrutiny see now i do that everything the professor believes i constantly renew scrutiny on because i want to make sure i'm right a i don't want to tell you guys things that are wrong and look like an idiot lose audience b I don't want to feel like an idiot because I'm talking about things that are wrong. So I scrutinize everything. Thomas Jefferson put that idea in my head when I was 11, to challenge everything, including the existence of God. And he's right. Not only is he right, but God wants us to challenge his existence because that means we're looking into him and we're trying to discover if he exists or not. And if you do due diligence in that investigation, you will find God. And that's what he wants. This is why he reveals himself, not just through the Bible and, and uh, revealed theology, but he reveals himself in every sunrise, every birth of a child, 
every nut that falls to the ground and comes a tree, God reveals himself in all science. We just don't always interpret it correctly or know that's what we're looking at. He goes off on me, and I said, you have no right to talk to me like this. None. And he started going off on me even more, and it was quite fortunate that my friends subdued me. <laughs> they grabbed me and and made me walk away. That uh, People are all convinced of their own opinions. They are willing to bet your life on it. That's right. They don't ever want to bet their own lives on it, though, do they, White Mamba? They, they'll bet your life on their opinions, but they're very tolerant, the people of the left. As you've come to know, if you are of the left, then you already know it. At, uh, and uh, Ag says, I learned from Jefferson awful young. Yes, exactly right. He was my dad's hero, and so I had lots of books to choose from about it. And so I exposed myself uh, at a very early age. But, uh, so you've met these people. And you know their intolerance, that they are all about free speech as long as you agree with theirs. You look at the college campuses and you look at the stories of professors not being able to function. Where did I put my uh, – oh, gosh, I only have 18 minutes left. That they uh, – professors weren't able to function and teach class? Are you kidding me? They couldn't function enough after Trump got elected in order to teach class. Now, let me ask you something. If you're an English teacher, <laughs> whoops, almost said it. If you are an English teacher, what does politics have to do with your ability to teach? Perhaps you shouldn't spend so much time talking about Trump in English class or in physics. Well, not physics. Usually the hard sciences like that, they're either atheists or, or they're – there's a lot of Republicans in those, you know, because it requires intelligence and logic to be in physics, not so much the social arts, you know, the home economics and English and sociology, psychology and all that mambly boop. Colleges are putting rooms together. Oh, that is uh, rooms together with dogs and bunnies for students to go in and have a safe space to vent their emotions and to pet something soft and furry that will give them unconditional love back, so that they feel better about themselves. My initial reaction is, "Are you kidding me?" There is somebody out there, a congressman whom I don't remember who. That is, got a bill, and it's titled something like Shut Up Buttercup or something like that. And uh, I know Buttercup's in it. And the bill is to stop federal funding, which he means central government funding, not federal, but central government funding, to colleges and universities that do this, that aren't having classes because of this, that are having safe spaces and allowing students time off from schoolwork in order to recover or to go and riot and to break and steal and, and do things, which I think is brilliant. I don't think we should be stopping these riots because most of them are occurring in Democrat city-controlled cities, counties, and states. 
And most of the stuff that's being broke are Democrats' stuff. And most of the people that are getting hurt are Democrats. So I said, get out of the way. Let them do it. Let them destroy their crap. Just do not give them any money. Shut down all central government refunding of those cities and states. Shut it all down. Say no money, no moss. Not until you fix it, clean it up, and become honest citizens again. Because what they're doing is criminal. It shouldn't be tolerated. There's a lot of jokes running around. One of my favorites is, of course, the one where uh, they're saying that the reason we're not having a bunch of Trump rallies is because all the people who voted for Trump are busy at their jobs. <laughs> and, uh, they don't have time to go to these rallies or riots or whatever. You have deputy prime ministers from the United Kingdom saying that they want to strangle Trump. In San Antonio, and I'm just going to click these as titles. We'll go into it on Tuesday. But in San Antonio, there was a school that did a skit portraying the assassination of Trump as president. There's memes and jokes all over the place that Michael Pence drove a Ford to the theater, bought a ticket from a booth, and left in a Lincoln. What does that joke reference? Oh, that joke referenced the Broadway play Hamilton, which you may uh, think is kind of funny and ironic because right now Congress has a bill before it on whether it should retain the subsidies and tax breaks that our government gives Broadway. Tax cuts and subsidies for Broadway. I don't get that. Broadway is not for the masses, for the blue-collar workers. Most of that is for white-collar people and people with a lot of money. You know, doctors and lawyers, professionals go to Broadway musicals. This is for the elite. Why are there tax breaks for the elite and the rich? It costs you a couple hundred bucks to go to Hamilton to see it, and tickets are sold out for, for months. It's very, very hard to get a ticket to go see the Broadway musical Hamilton. The songs are mostly rap. Some of them are catchy. Some of them are funny. I promoted the idea of Hamilton when it first came out because anything that promotes learning about our Constitution, which Hamilton was a part of, the Federalist Papers he was a part of, anything that promotes that and knowledge of our founding fathers, I find good. But when you dig into the surface of Hamilton, you find out that there's not a whole lot of historical accuracy to it, that it gets a lot of things wrong. It sugarcoats things, it ignores very bad things, uh, or it makes it justifiable. <laughs> uh, you know, kind of just a, a, you know, like his deal with the sisters, the one he married and the one he diddled, and, and the affair he had. They make it sound like it was a legitimate uh interchange of loans and stuff, that it wasn't a love affair of sex, and but we know that it was, but Hamilton makes it look like a puritanic love and assistance, you know, plutonic. So they're sugarcoating, whitewashing, if you will, whitewashing <laughs> Hamilton's history. They have the audacity and the cojones to get on stage and address the Mike Pence, the man who 
we just elected delegates for to go and vote on December the 18th in the Electoral College as Vice President of the United States, representing the Trump ticket there, evidently, according to the people of Hamilton. And they dared, after the curtain call, house lights go up, and they form a long line on the stage, holding hands, to read a written-down on a piece of paper address. This magical people who learn an entire play by heart and can get out there and sing all these songs and read all these lines could not walk out on that stage and say from the heart and the mind without paper what they wanted to address Mike Pence. And for the sake of easy conversation, we'll just call him the president, vice president-elect. Although you and I now know that that's not right. Well, I don't have a lot of respect for people who want to come out and talk from the heart, but they have to write it down. I mean, really, the playwright, the guy who wrote and did Hamilton was the one who had to write it out on a sheet of paper and then read it. And it was about some kind of crap about biodiversity and diversity of race and all this other stuff. The people of Hamilton are almost all black. Well, that's kind of a fact that you forget. Hamilton wasn't black. Neither were his wives, his wife or girlfriends or mistresses. But they're all black pretty much in the musical Hamilton. In fact, when they put out a curtain or an audition call for Hamilton, they had words, if they weren't the actual words, they were to the effect of whitey need not apply. That's right. They weren't looking for very many whites. King George is white. A couple of other people are white. Minor characters are white. But all the main characters are black. Mostly I wouldn't care. Mostly I don't care. But why are so many of the characters black? They're almost all black. Look at that. (laughs) Well, none of them were black. None of the founding fathers were black. We're always being preached at, how racist that was, that our country wasn't diverse and it didn't establish itself on diversity, ignoring history, ignoring current law at the time, ignoring current practice, ignoring the fact that black people did not come over and settle this country, white people did, and they drug black people forcibly to go and do it. It's cultural appropriation. It's exactly right. Now, I don't care if you're making up fiction and the Hamilton, the Revolution musical is fiction. So you can have everybody be black. I don't care. It's fiction. (laughs) Don't push it off as reality. Don't talk about how Mike Pence is not going to protect us, he says. I were afraid that uh, that, that Pence and Trump won't protect us, that your administration won't protect us. What the hell does that even mean? Protect us. Aren't we supposed to be colorblind in this country? But now we're worried about our race constantly because of the Democrats. The Democrats have always been focused on race. Why wasn't he talking to Hillary and those people about this? They're the ones in the Democrat Party. Hell, 
Most of the people in Hamilton are in the Democrat Party, the party that gave us the KKK, the party that's tried to destroy the NRA, which went down to protect black people so they could vote, the Republican Party, which went down there and tried to protect black people to vote, the party that fought the Democrat Party over the issue of slavery. But all that's forgotten because they're useful idiots. They're ignorant of history. They can't even get this right, and he's one of the most written and understood founding fathers, and he is, without a doubt, the most prolific writer of the founding fathers. And if he hadn't done so many stupid things in his life, he would have lived longer. Shouldn't have gotten involved with Aaron Burr. Shouldn't have gotten involved with mistresses. He shouldn't have gotten involved with all the crap he got involved with. I'm not going to call for a boycott of Hamilton, although I'm not going to go. But it's unlikely that I would go. I live in Texas. It's hard to get tickets. I don't want to go to New York City. Uh, It's depressing there to me. Too many Yankees, too many Democrats, uh, too expensive, too much taxes, too many traffic jams, too many. Everything that I don't like is there in New York in spades, if you'll pardon the pun. I'm asked in the chat room by Mary, why aren't they slaves? Well, let's look at that in two different directions. I missed that one, Ag. One of the reasons they aren't slaves is because of the Republican Party. Otherwise, they'd still be slaves today. Make no mistake. But I think what Mary means is, is in the Broadway musical Hamilton, why aren't all the black characters slaves? Well, indeed. (laughs) Why aren't they? I think it was the song You'll Be Back by King George was sung directly at Mike Pence. Now, the guy who plays King George is evidently a very good actor. And the song You'll Be Back, I like it. I think it's pretty funny and clever. What hutzpah? What hutzpah that you address the Republican heir apparent to the vice presidency who's just coming to see a play and you feel like you have the right to address him and to tell him that he should be following your viewpoints and not his own, not the ones that the people who elected him that he should abandon all that, to come out and tell us in a press release that we owe it because we voted for an open and blatant racist, which I'm not convinced we have, or a misogynist, because Bill and Hillary didn't win. And we know that they are blatant misogynists and racists, the pair of them. There's lots of documented evidence to support that position. There is hardly anything to support Trump in that, unless you want to redefine what misogyny and racism means. They go on the stage and they talk about how oppressed they are. Listen, do you know what they, if they'd have done that in Russia, you never would have seen that cast again. Now appearing in the role of Madison, you know, Igor Chavinsky. Because the original cast member would have disappeared and been in Siberia the rest of his life. Short life. 
in these dictator tin horn third world countries they may have been shot on the stage America is one of the only places that idiots that have no concept of history, reality, or the present, and certainly no clue as to the future, could go after a play and stand on stage and verbally accost the next leaders of this country. And they think they're oppressed. I think but what we've seen on Hamilton is the fact that they're not oppressed. Mike Pence is reported to have looked over at his son and nudged them and said, this is what freedom of speech looks like. <laughs> beautiful. Because that's exactly right. It's beautiful. It's freedom of speech. What did I do here? It is freedom of speech. What's going on here? Uh-oh. I can't find what I want. And I'm running out of time. Back. B-A-C-K. Nope. There we go. And see if that's there. And that's uh, nah, not there either. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> so, uh, Uh, I can't find what I want, people. And I'm looking. There's too many things here. Yeah. I can't find what I want. And I don't remember how I titled it here. (laughs) Uh, I was going to play that song on the way out, but I can't find it. So, Tuesday's show. We'll get into this, and I'll start talking about some of the specifics, and and we'll go over some articles and stuff I have. But this just blows my mind that this is how we are in this country, that there's people running around acting like they're afraid. Extend until I find it. Uh, Let me see if I can here real quick. I might not have enough time. uh, There. Okay, that did it. All right, let me see here. Be back. Try that. Yeah, I found it. Oh, I didn't have to extend after all. I found it. But I'll extend so I can play it. So, the Stephen Van Zant is a rock musician. Right? I really don't know him. He's on the E Street Band. I don't really care because the boss and those guys are communists and I quit listening to their music. Or getting any of their stuff. But, uh, because I don't want to give them money when they spend it on cross purposes to what's in my best interest as a citizen of this country. Those idiots are always coming out and making statements about politics. And he says that he feels that the cast of Hamilton, an American musical, bullied Vice President-elect Mike Pence. And then he says it was the most respectful, benign form of bullying ever, but bullying nonetheless. And by the way, human rights must be won, not asked for, said Vance Sant in a series of tweets on Saturday. When artists perform, the venue becomes your home. 
The audience are your guests. It's taking unfair advantage of someone who thought they were a protected guest in your home. A guy comes to Broadway's show for a relaxing night out. Instead, he gets a lecture from the stage, not a level playing field. It's bullying. You don't single out an audience member and embarrass him from the stage. A terrible precedent, precedent to set. The man who read all this, by the way, and I can tell you, was Brandon Victor Dixon. I thought only serial killers had three names. He plays Aaron Burr, so that could tell you why he might be a little agitated and upset. He's the one who gave uh, the rolling speech to Mike Pence. And uh, this was at the Richards Rogers Theater on Broadway in New York. And uh, and let me tell you, this is what really bothers me about this. is not the words. It's the action. This isn't about free speech. Mike Pence, I get what he's saying. Free speech, right? Let it happen. What he's saying is, is you know, this is what people are going to do. They have a right in this country to speak like that. But there are appropriate times. Uh, there are not appropriate times. There are legal times and places, and there are not so legal times and places. It is low class to turn on the house lights. Now, it's okay to turn on house lights and say, ladies and gentlemen, the vice president-elect of the United States, Mike Pence. Everybody claps. They do the, oh, what is that? I can't remember the name of it. It's a... Uh, Oh, it's not ruffles and flourishes, which we play for the president. I've got it somewhere in here. When I'll, I try to remember, it's usually Mimery Mary, and I'll play it. But uh, there is a song that gets played every time the, pres- the vice president walks into a room, and uh, and and so uh, if they'd have played that, congratulated him, they could have even said some didn't vote for you, but please do a good job, follow the Constitution, obey the rule of law. And he could have waved and thanked everybody politely, sat down in the seat. That would have been fine. I think it's ironic that the left is all of a sudden worried about the Constitution and the rule of law, because they certainly have not been for eight years. And the people out there complaining about how it's going to be lawless with a Donald Trump presidency are expressing this concept to you by destroying stuff, catching cars on fire, destroying buildings, stealing things. Hurting people, and by the way, speaking of hurting people, not only are people getting shot and everything, someone got shot, I think, down in Austin or San Antonio today. A cop was writing a traffic ticket, a routine traffic ticket, out in front of the headquarters of the police station, got shot in the head. <clears throat> I have that data somewhere, but I don't know where I put it. I wanted to say his name and to ask for prayers for him and his family, and, uh, and then may he live perpetually in heaven with light perpetual shining upon him. But uh, this country is turned upside down. In fact, that's the title of Tuesday's show, The World Turned Upside Down. From where we were. And it's being turned upside down by a bunch of people paid by George Soros and his ilk, to agitate and cause chaos in this country. And I'm glad for it because we needed a shove 
to save our country. We needed a shove to save our country. Now there's people like me and the exceptional conservative, SHI media guys, White Mamba, Mary. I mean, there's this whole core of people that surround my show and other shows, and we're friends with one another. We've created a confederacy trying to present truth and accuracy that the media is unwilling to do. But the rest of the country seemed to have needed a push, and these progtards provided that. A lot of us were saying this may be the last chance this country has, that if we don't get Donald Trump elected, this may be the last chance this country has. We may not survive four to eight years of Hillary Clinton. There will be no more Constitution, no more rule of law, no more government, no more America as we know it. And a lot of people called us extremists and said we were crazy, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm telling you, when you look out and you see these riots and this anarchy, I see that as a validation of my point that this was our last chance. This is proof, people, that we didn't have much to go after this election. If they're willing to do this kind of crap now, imagine what would have been accomplished under four years of Hillary Clinton. According to the AP, hat tip to the Tsarina for sending this to me. San Antonio, police officer riding out a traffic ticket to a motorist was shot to death in his squad car Sunday outside police headquarters by another driver who pulled up from behind. The officer was Detective Benjamin Marconi, 50 years old, 20-year veteran of the force, probably getting ready to retire. They haven't got the suspect yet as of this writing tonight. They don't believe that the two motors had any relationship to one another. We hope they find this bastard and we get him on Texas's death row as fast as possible. Tuesday's show. A world turned upside down. We're going to look at this from some different perspectives, as I like to do. That uh, The world is crazy right now. I mean, for instance, Obama actually comes out and says that Trump should follow Obama's example when it comes to ethics. Are you kidding me? Ethics? Ugh. We have people that are committing death threats against the president. Elect, elect, you know what I mean, just for ease of, of explanation. Because quite honestly, I don't think there is a title of what we would call somebody that has won the general election delegates and is awaiting the electoral college thing, which is why most people just say elect. Maybe we should create a title. That. The president and first lady have somebody that's assigned at the White House to dress them, to lay out their clothes, to help them get into it, make sure that everything's properly buttoned and presented and, you know, you don't have off one button and you're looking like a retard or you didn't zip up your crotch, you know, things like that. I forget her name, don't really care to know it. It's not worth my 
gray cells to load that name in there. But there's a chick at the White House whose job is to pick the clothes and dress the First Lady. And she has come out and steadfastly said that she will not dress Melina Trump. Have you seen the crap that Moochell Obama has worn in the last eight years? One of the reasons we all think Michelle Obama is a transgender is because of the way she dresses. I don't think Melina Trump needs this idiot picking out her clothes or helping her to get in it because she looks fine in everything she wears. I'm pretty sure she dresses herself. She designs jewelry and stuff, if I'm not mistaken, and clothing. So I, she doesn't need this idiotic woman's help. And I doubt she'll lose any sleep over her resignation. And she should be required to resign. I know a lot of positions in the White House like that carry over president after president. Stewards and stuff from the Navy, you know, things. It's a tradition. They've served. There's people there that have served four or five presidents, you know, and everybody's proud of that. It helps because you know who can be trusted and they get clearances and you leave them in the White House. You don't have to change it over every four years. That's that's a good idea. But I think if you come out and say something like that, you either are required to resign or you're fired. There should be no position in the central government available to her, period. She should be required to go home and figure out uh, what she's going to do. Melina speaking of her, is getting a lot of crap from the left because they're going to stay in New York until June. Her and and Bonnet or Bullet or Bonet or whatever his name is, uh, Trump's youngest kid. You know, Trump's youngest kid's in school. And the Trumps don't feel like they need to yank him out of school and send him to Washington and go send him over to Sidwell Friends or whatever in the middle of a school year. So what are they going to do? They're going to stay until June. And they are going to let their son finish his year out and then go to Washington and enroll in the school for the fall at the next semester. That is responsible parenting. That is good parenting. It's no one else's business if that's what they want to do. And they shouldn't be judged for that any more than if they decide to go ahead and do what the Obamas and everybody else does and yank their kids like Chelsea and or, or you know, Frick and Frack, the Obama kids, and then move them in the middle of the school year and have them start over at Sidwell Friends, which, by the way, most of you can't afford, never will be able to afford, you couldn't even consider, because only very wealthy and elite people get their kids into Sidwell Friends, you know, like Democrats that are in government because they're in touch with you and I, we, the people, Sasha and Malia, yeah, whatever, bunch of pot smoking, twerking, stripping strippers is all their kids are. They're an embarrassment to this country, just like Chelsea is. She's a crook and embarrassing. Speaking of Chelsea is a crook, uh, the poor Clinton foundation has dropped almost 40% of people donating to it. Some speculate it's because of all the messages of all the fraud that's gone on and that money doesn't go to places like Haiti, where they were supposed to send a billion dollars to help them. Uh, I think it's less 
noble than that. I think it's because now the Clintons can't sell their pay-to-play power. So they can't sell it to the highest bidders. And so people aren't giving money. And it makes you wonder about all those people like the Saudi sheiks and stuff that gave them millions of dollars to have access to her during her presidency. How are they feeling about the money they spent laundering it through the Clinton Foundation under the control of Chelsea? From what I understand, Melina will be doing FLOTUS appearances and work, and that Ivanka, is that the daughter's name, is, and, her, and her, their boys are going to be taking over the businesses and running them. So the empire of Trump's will be run by his family while he's president. I think that's enough for one night, guys. I got some stuff I got to do, and I'm not feeling too good. I'm kind of feeling sick to my stomach. That cut was all the way to the bone, and it's just amazingly painful still. Tuesday, 7 p.m., the world turned upside down. And uh, let me see. Let me get rid of this. And I will play this song out. This is King George singing to the victors of the Revolutionary War. Our Founding Fathers, a little song. You say The price of my love is not a price that you're willing to pay You cry In your tea which you hurl in the sea When you see me go by Why so sad Remember we made an arrangement when you went away Now you're making me mad Remember despite our estrangement, I'm your man (laughs) You'll be back, soon you'll see You'll remember you belong to me You'll be back, time will tell Remember that I served you well Oceans rise, empires fall We have seen each other through it all And when push comes to shove I will send a fully armed battalion To remind you of my love Da-da-da-da-da I'll go mad, so don't throw 
to remind you of my love. Da 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 sings in the play they spent directly singing to Mike Pence see you Tuesday night for the world turned upside down this is UGP radio copyright in the year of your lord 2015 via contoodles y'all via contoodles <laughs>